Hello and welcome to I Wish I Knew That About Songwriting, the show where we bring you tips, tricks and techniques that we wish we knew as young songwriters. On this show we focus on interviews, we focus on resources, subjects you're going to find useful and you can go home and you can use them today. So thank you so much for listening and welcome to the show. Hello guys and welcome to part two of Toby Tripp's interview. We were so lucky to have Toby on the show to share his journey so far with us, so a massive thank you to him for coming on. In this episode, you'll get some great insights into his session work and how Toby approaches songwriting and working on different projects. So we hope you guys enjoy, and don't forget to hit that like button, plus send us your questions so we can forward these on to some of the other great guests we have lined up. And without further ado, here's part two of Toby's interview. Obviously, you're going into a session. Do you find them easier when you know exactly who you're writing for and what it's going to be? If it's someone who already has a sound... I tend to not try and listen to too much of their music. Because I think it can kind of impact too much on what you do in the day. Whereas um, they might come to you actually because they want something different. You're exactly, saying yeah. Exactly. Mm. If it's an artist that have already released like two albums and they're like, well, for this next album, I don't really want to go down the old route of whatever, you know, whatever they're known for. Yeah. And that's cool because it's pushing you to kind of still capture what they do best but then put it into a new world that they might not necessarily yeah, normally go to that's bang on uh, the guy called john shanks as well has done a lot of stuff he said you should bring to the session the song you would like to hear that artist sing mm. so it's kind yeah, of a yeah. compliment to them so mm. in that vein is there a is there a, is there a set things that you have like say i say you know someone's coming at 12 do you go mm. right i want to have two small demos ready and a production start idea you know is it that strict with you or are you, are you a bit more flexible i'm a bit more flexible i like to come up with like there's there's certain people that i don't know for instance like when i worked with jp cooper he's oh, got cool. this yeah. unbelievable voice yeah, yeah yeah and like he's got obviously got the big pop ones and they're wicked and he's yeah he's sick but I was like, oh, I want to, I want to see what he's like when he does like full on soul, like oh, sounding yeah. records. Mm. And he, like, I've honestly, I've got like such a man crush on his voice. <laughs> he's ridiculous, right? He's so good. And in a room, he just like, he does something. You're like, <laughs> like how the hell did there. you do that? <laughs> There's a point there. Like, do you find it hard then? Sometimes people say, like, if they're working with Adele or JP Cooper, who has an mm. incredible tone, do you have to be mindful that they could sing something average and make it sound amazing? Yeah. But although you can, yeah, you can flare it up. But I think, yeah, I think you just, you just know lyrically when you're writing it out, you can kind of see that that's definitely not going to work or. And also some people can't sing it back like that. If he's doing like, maybe you might work on something that we want a lot of people to sing at you. Like you're okay, not going to yeah. be able to do loads of riffs. <laughs> yeah, well, not as well as him. Yeah, yeah exactly. So got you're it, not going to get it. like, I don't know, 20,000 people in a, in a uh, wherever, just kind of singing back all these amazing riffs. So I think, yeah, I think honestly, I mean, they'd be able to sing the phone book and it would sound amazing. But... <laughs> Like, yeah. but yeah, I think, I think also the level that those guys are at, it's, they kind of want to push themselves lyrically and make, make it right. And when you're writing for artists, 
Like that, how much is thinking about their live concert coming to it? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, actually. I think, yeah, I think there is an element of that and knowing what they're going to sing, how it's all going to sing and, and be played with the band. Because some, some of them might, or if I'm working with a band, it's like knowing how they play and how that they do all of that. So if I'm working on production, it's got to feel a certain way or, I mean, yeah, it's it definitely yeah, it definitely comes into account with with everything that's going on. But I don't, yeah, I don't tend to think about it too much. I think that probably comes on the next step of going right. How do we make this sound the way we want it to to feel to an audience, or how to, how to connect? Mm. So do you run through it then? Because we we have a kind of thing we use to help people in the sense of like you have the editor and your creator in terms of mm. your creativity. So. We, we talk about trying to like capture that initial part. So when you said like that first run, you're trying to write that whole song out and then come back at it analytically. Is that what you're saying? Is that how you kind of go about it? I think analytically that kind of, yeah, that comes on reflection. I think if you capture the feeling and what feels right to say in the moment, then I think that's normally where the gold comes. And I think then you can work on things. There's always gaps and there's always things that you can kind of improve on. But I think if you can get in a room with someone and you have a conversation like that, probably that first 30 minutes of just having a cup of tea and catching up is probably going to be the best moment throughout the whole day. Is that where you're like putting your phone down and recording the thing in case they come (laughs) up with this? (laughs) No, not even that. Like I don't, I don't even think of it as a kind of, oh, whatever they say, I've got to remember this and like write it down. I think it's more of a actually connect with the person that you're working with. Because That's great advice. You, you need to, well, you need to trust each other. Like if you don't have the trust there, you're not going to write a good song. It's just not, it's not going to happen. And is that, is that a feeling thing for you? I'm assuming you kind of, you know, when you've got to that point with someone that you feel like you can start writing the song or their sessions you've done where you're like, we haven't trusted each other at all throughout this. <laughs> you know, it's weird I say this, but I probably definitely found it hard to have a chat with someone over a cup of tea, but then you write like an absolute belter and you're like, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> it's just, yeah, you can't, you can't work it. But I do think yeah. even in those moments, you, you suss each other out enough to know w- how the session should kind of go or who needs to be what in the session mm-hmm. yeah and probably almost before they've even come they might know that you do a certain range of things like you said you're not trying to limit yourself but yeah they'll know you're you're, you're a producer essentially but do you, what's your favorite hat to wear is it writing arranging producing or playing i think mm, it's a hard one because if i'm writing in the room i'm kind of I'm normally like the producer as well. It's normally like me and the artist. It's very, occasionally there's a top liner or yeah. someone that comes in to work with the lyrics. But yeah, so my favourite hat, it's, it's definitely between songwriting and production. Right. You're I not think, missing the live circuit at the moment as much? No, I mean, the last time I got on stage and performed was probably like four years ago. So, or like three years ago. I mean, yeah, I think I've, I've guested on a couple of things but yeah, not not a full blown tour. <laughs> <laughs> so it's writing and producing is is your kind of love. Like you actually hinted at that earlier. That's your yeah. I think so. I think it's always been my thing as well. Like, and I think some people will know me as like an arranger and doing strings, uh, which is a thing that I do. 
but it's taken a little while for people to to go oh you you write and produce as well oh that's the thing that you do <laughs> because i think people naturally like to you know pigeonhole and and do that and and that's of course that's that's fine and that's cool but yeah it took a little while to kind of yeah get get my how name did you break those break those not that they're shackles because you're obviously very grateful mm. and it's just, it's a great yeah, skill that you'll use but how did you come out of that shell the more that i was doing and the more kind of collaborations that i was getting involved with I think it naturally just happened and also kind of slightly limiting how much you do on certain things. Like I've always loved arranging, but I've never wanted to be like uh, a big name, the ranger. Like that's never been my, I've always wanted to create and write and also arrange. Keep the door open. Yeah. And like the ideal situation would be, I'd write a song with someone, we produce it together if it needs strings, if it needs brass, I'd also arrange it as well. Yeah. Like, I think I've always looked up to um, uh, Quincy Jones and people I like that. I was going to say that earlier. Yeah. Um, like, I got that and, vibe just reading through what you do and your spread. And obviously, I mean, I'm not comparing myself to that guy no, at all. I was thinking Quincy, Quincy <laughs> earlier, but in terms of the guy, I think you're very different to him. But um, <laughs> the yeah. eight wires, whatever. But no, yeah, that's, that's, that is really, really interesting. And you don't feel like there's a need for you to add stuff. You feel like you just go, comfortably through the stages and if it needs mm. it it needs it you're not like okay i need to get this person yeah some yeah strings. no definitely yeah i think it's just yeah I th- i've just loved that way of, of working at something and i think a sad thing is now everything feels quite rushed i think back when quincy jones was doing stuff i think yeah there was probably a deadline but they got musicians and they thought about it they yeah. kind of big budgets as well yeah like you can easily just grab a string sample or grab something and well, just splice, chuck it. Like we talked about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and like I got nothing against splice because I use it myself if yeah, I yeah. need certain things. I think because there's so much access to things, there's so much more shortcut, and the in, and like the industry yeah. just expect things quicker, and it's got to sound like big and bombastic for like like at the end of the day, it's got to sound like this, and it and that's fine but it's also can sometimes jeopardize quality some sometimes i would agree and you've you've used shortcuts a number of times today and i thought i think in a great way you know almost subconsciously and you can't substitute wonderful songwriting and you can't substitute you know almost 30 years of of experience writing songs mm. as well so you know we're not encouraging people to do that but do you yeah. think it's it's a reaction to everything becoming digital and instant that people are starting to step back. Yeah, I think so. Also, like, I think going back to the analog stuff, not, that's not, no one can access that a lot of the time. Like yeah. it's taken me years to like start building up collection that I can use. And yeah. it's like, and even that's not, it's nothing compared to like you know abbey road or rack or anywhere that you would probably go to record and do it like years back or but it's a handful isn't it to do it exactly. properly and analog to do know. it properly it takes time well like i was in a i was in a studio in scotland recently where everything was analog crazy and they mm. had no vsts even the pro tools wasn't even up to date um <laughs> the analog stuff was unbelievable there was like the, like the synths there were incredible like 
there was a synth there that Joy Division used for like uh, no. one of their biggest hits. And it was like, it was insane. But it meant that we had to work till like three in the morning because we had to like patch everything up, record it like yeah. this. There's no VST for drums. Oh, oh shit. I better learn how to and play drums What's a the VST? Then. Sorry, because some people might not be uh, songwriters. Oh, so it's like virtual instruments. So you don't like, yeah. So if you, if you don't have a piano, you run through it. There's a piano that goes through like a plugin on, um, on software, but. Yeah, so you had to play. You had to like play the instruments around you <laughs> yeah. and process it by putting it through lots of different analog stuff, which is incredible. But to get that sound, it, it does take time. And, and money, like you said, you know, these like mood yeah. synths or those like old compressors and stuff, they're, they're not cheap. Yeah, And you need the gear, you know, you need all the mics, you need all the cables, you need them all running. Yeah, it's not like, you know, loading up a logic session like anyone can do in their bedroom and just, yeah. but that's where technology is amazing because songwriters can do that now and we can put together a basic track. Which is unbelievable. And that's exactly how I started writing and, and, and producing is I think I had Cubase and I had a Focusrite interface. Yeah. And that was like through a really slow Dell laptop that was <laughs> like, like it was, yeah, it was, that was how how we kind of learned. That's what you had to hand. Yeah. Isn't it? And you put things down quick. It was quicker than like, originally I had a tape machine. Yeah. And then wow. to layer over, I had to like record on tape, play it on like another tape player, put it in a different part of the room and then record on the tape player whilst playing the tape machine. <laughs> and it was like, that's not the best way to to kind of record music but it's you know you kind of it's weird how when you're figuring it all out and what you have around you so like things like splice things like all this amazing like vst which i still use i you still use like virtual instruments like yeah I, there's there's a loads of amazing stuff is that and, for the final record or you're putting them in as a placeholder until you can come in and i mean some of them are incredible some of them stay in like yes yeah, um definitely. There's there's things that I can't get hold of, and there's a sound that's exactly the same, mm. so you just don't replace it. But it's yeah, I think people are starting to hear the difference, even if they don't know much about music, with what's analog and what's digital. But I only think that's because people have started to make it more of the norm. So they would have heard it a few times, you know. Yeah, I think so. A- and like people aren't idiots. Like people, even if they're not musicians, people know what feels good to them. What's a warm sound and what's like yeah. grainy and granularly and 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 kind of gives mm. them a throwback feeling or a nostalgia that they may have heard. I don't. I mean, I think that's why it's popular at the moment. It's like yeah, such yeah, yeah. a nostalgic feeling at the moment. Because we've had such a kind of crisp and clean digital sound for so long. And like, yeah. like you're saying there, like it might be like, oh, this sounds like when I was young and my parents are playing this record. And I think that's really important too. And is that something you're going to bring in, do you think, more to what you're doing? Or is it not that conscious? No, no, I've I've always... So the way that I normally work and if I'm producing, it's normally uh, mixing that organic instrumentation, which is my background, to with like... Uh, more digital or analog or synth-based stuff that I've been, yeah, been doing as well and trying to combine the two. So I think I'm trying to mash that up as much as I can. Yeah. 
even if you're going through a guitar pedal or going through something that's not digital, I think that already makes that nice warm sound that you want in your in in records, which which I think it, which makes it human. And the fact that someone's playing it in on something as well, even if it does get manipulated or sounds completely different to that instrument, I think if it comes from something that someone's playing, it also adds such an amazing human element to it. You'll feel it. Is there anything you wanted to jump on, Callum, before I, I go back to something a little bit different in terms of recording stuff? I think it's so true, all the stuff like, that you're saying about how music's changing and or it's going back to that nostalgic place like yeah we, we have been in this digital era and mm. you know you can make everything sort of so perfect yeah. and i wonder how much that has affected stuff because obviously when people play instruments we have a click in our ears or they or a drum beat or something keeps us in time but there's a feeling if you don't quantize something which if you don't know what quantize is it's when you actually just you might play a midi loop and you hit the quantize button it puts everything in time but you lose the feeling and so mm those records of of the 60s and the 70s that were when we didn't have that technology and everything had to be played to a click and there were mistakes or there were things did sway and how has the stuff influenced your you know your songwriting personally i think with anything that's kind of uh, new that i've got always influences something that's an excuse to buy different things isn't it that's <laughs> like a good excuse oh i need this for this yeah yeah, yeah. but it's kind of like if there's anything that's kind of I started playing with like for instance I got an OP1 synth that it's kind of opened me to a different world of sampling and doing different things and nice. that and that was a really cool curveball with a lot of the stuff I was working on but yeah it definitely does influence and I think those mistakes what you were saying are what makes a song really unique I obviously if it's like a real bum note <laughs> yeah. you sack it off <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I know what you mean. Like, if it's a rhythmical thing or like, I mean, I mean, like someone like, I don't know, Pino Palladino, right? Who's an amazing bass player and mm. has played on like D'Angelo's records. He goes on tour with John Mayer. He does like, That's he, how he's we know a him, yeah. big name. <laughs> yeah. But he's like, he can sit behind the beat and he can play in pockets that you can't, you like, if you quantize him, <laughs> It would be a sin. It would take away everything. (laughs) It would take away the reason why he is known to be an incredible bassist. Mm. And, you know, like, like he played with uh, Questlove and Questlove has got a pocket feel. He's got this feeling when he plays that if you get a good bassist and a good drummer and then they're both feeling that way, that will be anything that you press condensize on on like i mean it's again though it's it's um it's a different genre it's a different way of playing and Absolutely. it's a different kind of it will be a different song completely and some people aren't into that um i remember the first time i listened to something that was like really behind the beat and it took me a little while to get my head around it because i was like that's not in time that's not like because <laughs> like I've, i came from this kind of practice my scales with a metronome on blah 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 oh wow and it's like you you aim to have this perfect like inner metronome and this inner beat within you so when you hear something that's like completely behind the beat you go what what's going on (laughs) and it's really interesting and i think for some people 
they'd feel that and that's all they'd feel and go, no, that's out of time. I, I can't see how that's on the beat. But then once you figure it out and you start playing that way, you go, oh, wait, yeah, this feels really good. Like there's a feeling, there's a there's this human thing about it. This is like, that's what you get if you go watch a live band play. That's why I love watching bands. Is yeah. They're not to click. I think some of them are. The drummer might be or something. Yeah, you know, yeah the drummer might be. But even like, I, like one of my favorite bands is Foles. And cool. yeah. like watching them play live, they go between tempos. They do certain things. There's a slip up or there's something. Mm. And it's so cool. Like just hearing all of that. And But it's fluid then. Like you said, even yeah. just the way you're describing it, a live show, you want it to be imperfect and essentially what you're saying toby is to be successful as a songwriter play in the pocket on analog that's what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically if, you, if everyone could just do that that'd be great no <laughs> no, no it's it's uh yeah i i think overall it's just the the thing that i love about songwriting is something that feels really human and really relatable on the lyric side but also on the playing side and the production around it needs to accommodate. If you're writing lyrics that are heartbreaking and are going to make you want to cry, you're yeah. not going to like have a really quantum sized piano. I mean, like listen to Adele's records, right? Yeah. Where the pianist is like pulling around the beat and it's all kind of like it's floating and it's developing and it just feels like you're in the room and feeling it with with her and and there's cracks in her voice there's like she really feels that she's but you get those they're almost like that kind yeah. of analog recording just gently crackling it's like yeah oh there's, there's some reality there like yeah like you said that's a really great example like i think paul Epworth did a breakdown of, of the adele song and it's like yeah. a piano and a drum kit and then we give it to adele because she makes it amazing yeah definitely and it, and if we could, Toby, I know I know we've gone a long way from where we started in terms of, but I really would love to go what back to those those discs behind you. And if you could, with with that Tom Mish song and and with the Vamp song, is there anything you remember from writing those sessions? Were they any different? Are there any kind of stories you had? Because, like you said, you had those, and then you got your publishing deal. Mm. Well, the the Tom the Tom Mish stuff was. Um... What you mean stories in terms of when we wrote the track? Yeah, when we wrote it or like when it came out, what what was that kind of journey that people might not know or, or assume? Well, the, the Tom thing was funny. Like we wrote South River before going to a Maid of L session where he said, I've got this idea. Can you come up quickly? And the, and the, um, nice. the taxi was late or something. <laughs> and so, and he worked at the time in his bedroom at home and it was like a little bunk bed and like mm -hmm. a tiny little desk mm. and i rocked on up there i'm like oh man we're gonna be late you know we, could, we, got, we should probably be quick <laughs> and he was like yeah yeah just got this idea i was like okay okay okay. and then i came up with this idea and then we were like well cool that sounds wicked let's go and then that ended up being like his one of his first singles for the album that's awesome and it was it, again it was just one of those natural sort of like oh cool let's let's vibe with this quick but that was yeah that was fun you can actually hear my breathing when i'm playing violin on that it was a really <laughs> close mic and you can like if yeah if you solo it you can hear like, <sighs> like all yeah. this sort of stuff it was like yeah it wasn't in any like fancy shiny studio it was bedroom produced which again it's like that was his thing it made it really human there's 
weird little quirks with the way he records because because of his setup and people are going mad for that there's like loads of amazing bedroom producers and like so we joke about it but that is that kind of raw yeah that that raw thing and breathe on your takes as well is what Toby exactly said. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and we tried to sharpen it up after we knew it was coming out we tried to re-record things but it just took away it took away something about it yeah like Callum's saying you know if, if you're getting yeah. a feeling from something you're getting a feeling from that thing so you, you don't exactly. overlook it and yeah, um, yeah. And, and with the vamps you know you said did you meet those guys through someone else or was it through going to shows or so the track that we wrote that ended up being their first single for it was originally meant for Louis Tomlinson. Okay, cool. Of One Direction fame. Yeah. yeah. And w- one of the people in the room was someone that I loved and that was Jamie T. Oh, cool. So I was writing yeah. with him, Plested, who has done a lot of like writing for uh, Louis Capaldi. Oh, wow. On, like, lot of yeah a lot of big stuff like that and then uh jake manson who's a producer and a friend of mine and we yeah we were in a room with that but it was originally for louis tomlinson um so not cool. actually for the vamps so that ended up being a pitch yeah, yeah pitching is is a big thing and was that so were you were you um were you signed to anyone at that point in terms of your publishing no. or were you because no, being wasn't. in that room dude that's really impressive especially with like jamie t and yeah mm. no it's cool and then like I guess how did you get there as well? You know, that's that's the stuff that people are really interested in. Was it hustling, SoundCloud links and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh it was genuinely just like uh so I've I've written with Jake before, um and he said, Do you fancy getting in on this? And he is signed and he's he's um we published. And all of the all of those are signed and published. So it was kind of like they trusted me to be in there and yeah again it's the same thing it's a trust thing it's it's the thing that even when you're signed and when you're not it's trusting the people that you're in a room with that you're gonna get on and, and write some songs yeah so yeah but that was cool and then i mean even with that like it meant that i was writing with jamie t for his own stuff afterwards which was cool, cool yeah because like, it comes from the session kind right? of just yeah, yeah it all kind of goes like that but yeah i mean the, yeah so those are kind of like the two two first first things that came out which made i guess an impact on on my direction of course of course and and then from there you know what was the delay between those songs coming out and then you being able to to go full-time essentially what would be a publishing deal i guess i mean it takes forever for songs to come out <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i like i wrote a so- i've wrote a song with han three years ago and that's coming out in like a couple of months and Three it's like years. it takes, yeah. It's it's mad. It's mad how long. It, so there's there's one artist that I wrote with Isaac Waddington, who, yeah. and I think that was probably the quickest release. Uh, we wrote it. We wrote the and pretty much produced it in about an hour. And Damn. it was just one of those that it was just like boom. Okay, cool, great. Let's let's grab a beer, and then um, <laughs> and then it came out in like two months later. And because because it just happened to fit with the next release that he was doing, yeah, they're like, well, yeah. let's whack it on. That's got to come out. But yeah, answer your I, I didn't answer your question. No, it's great. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting loads. I think, um, yeah, I was enjoying touring at the time. So I was kind of having a good time with everyone, but I was struggling to keep up with producing and writing stuff with people in between. 
Yeah. Especially being away for a month and then you've only got a couple of weeks and then you go another away for another month or whatever. So those two weeks when you are at home, it can be it can be quite tiring to go into a studio and write and do that. But you kind of, you know, you gotta that's always what I wanted to do. So you, you kind of make the effort to do it and I love it, so <laughs> I wasn't complaining. But yeah, yeah, but it's it was just a struggle difficult. between balancing the two things. We can be honest though, because people that are interested in this will want to hear, yeah, something candid. Mm. Yeah, no, but it is. It's like it's it is tiring. It's I think it's really important to give yourself breaks uh, with writing. Like that's why I I normally finish at six or seven, the latest. Yeah. So that you have an evening and then you can kind of switch off and chill and have a weekend. Like I will only work weekends if I've got a deadline and that's the only time that I can do it. But yeah. Because it's a long game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And just because you might not have written the hit <laughs> that you so <laughs> desire in that one week, you know, you it could be next month that you write because you write songs every day and it's you work with loads of different people and yeah it just everything takes time and I think it's just kind of believing in the process and then so signing the deal kind of happened even before actually the the track came out oh cool so had either track you'd had you'd had cuts you know obviously smaller than that before but at what point did you did you get that deal and how did it come to you I got that deal because of the vamps thing so the A&R is also part of karma songs um and he was and he wanted to know what i was up to and then obviously have a bunch of demos so i played all of that and then got got the deal which is cool that's awesome yeah yeah how long ago was that sorry just for for reference three years i think three years all right Yeah, yeah 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 it's been it's been probably about three yeah three years of just doing writing in production which is cool yeah it's amazing. Cool. Callum, did you wanna did you wanna throw any questions at him before we let him go? He's very generous. Thank you, Toby. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for coming on, mate. This has been awesome. amazing. I don't think I have a question, but I think it's so so true what you're saying. I mean, and also being honest with yourself for our listeners, it's what can I do? You know, like what are you, what suits you? What are, what do I want? What are my goals? Have, you know, set some realistic expectations for yourself. Yeah. And what is your ultimate goal? Let's ask Toby that question. Toby, what is your ultimate goal? My ultimate goal, honestly, just if I can just keep having food on the table and write music for the rest of my life, I'm happy. I knew you say that. He's such a nice guy. I'm not, not honestly, I'm not, I'm not even like, I'm not even <laughs> no, been not, on, man. No, like, should be every songwriter's goal, really. Yeah, that is Toby. That's real, yeah. Toby, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but it's true, man. Like, it's, um, it's, it's, it's an art form that, I mean, it's obviously it's it's going through a thing at the moment of getting more appreciation from labels and for people to actually get paid to be songwriters as a daily mm. rate, and it's and it's so important these things because yeah, it's it's something that's kept a lot of people going during the pandemic, and music has been such a huge factor in yeah. everyone's lives. Um, even if it's on in the background, it's it's something that generates such amazing feelings for for individuals. And I, I believe what what you were saying as well about having your own like personal goals and having your own way of dealing with it. Just because you know you're not uploading loads of thirty second videos on Instagram and <laughs> trying to promote yourself that way, 
that doesn't mean that you're slacking is like that's not for everyone that's like you know that's a cool thing that people do and they're amazing people there's like amazing musicians that do that sort of thing but that doesn't mean you have to you can just work on your own stuff collaborate with people like reach out to people and but people you want to work with and, and music that you want to write as opposed to what's popular like that's not you don't need to be like that um, but it's really easy, it's really easy to get into that if you if you especially with social media and you see people doing certain things it makes you feel you should be something hmm. but yeah i'm ranting i don't know why i'm ranting no, it's great. But yeah. i'm kind Again, of going on a ted talk sort of thing and i don't Dude, know we can <laughs> chop these up we can do three parts <laughs> ten parts whatever <laughs> yeah yeah just yeah yeah this is yeah toby's speech yeah. oh dear but yeah yeah it's it's a kind of if you if you try and be something that you're not you'll never write songs that come from a natural place boom yeah that's great. what i feel that's 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 pretty profound and it's quite it's quite concise you know but you can obviously you can write songs that like you're saying with artists that are really vulnerable in the room but you can mm. write those songs to a wider audience as well there's definitely a skill to that i would say yeah definitely yeah yeah um, and i again i think there's there's probably questions I could ask you because there's so much that you have done and know about, but I'm aware you've been really generous through the time and just thank you so much, man. Like again, I I, I saw you and I thought oh, I know Toby and then I actually saw what you've been doing and I was like, holy, holy hell, like this dude's been really, really working all this time. So you you've earned everything you've got. You're very grateful. I think, you know, it's gonna be difficult for people to beat this. We've had Luke who's been amazing on this, and now we've got Toby just following it up. So yeah, on behalf of all of us, thank you so much, man. It's been, oh no, it's been thank huge. you very much for asking. And um yeah, hope you guys hope you guys are doing good. We'll keep going. We'll have you back, hopefully. Yeah, definitely, man. In three years, and he's written more massive tunes. <laughs> <laughs> to find out more about us and to get in touch, please head over to I Wish I Knew That Pod on Instagram. And don't forget to join the conversation on our Facebook community. Please also remember to email your questions about songwriting to I Wish I Knew That Pod at gmail.com. And we will answer these on our upcoming episodes. Also, if you know someone who would benefit from this, we would really love it if you could give it a share or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And Jamie and I will talk to you on the next episode.